Welcome to Meet the Author at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator, Brian Quinn. All right, everybody. Hello. Hey, yes, I see you. And I see you. Uh, guys, thanks for coming. Uh, this is very, very exciting for me. Uh, uh, like you guys, I'm a huge, huge fan of, uh, of uh, Batman in general, specifically the work that these two gentlemen have been doing. It's legendary. Uh, I would like to get them out here as quickly as possible because who the hell wants to listen to me when we listen to these two guys talk about Batman? <laughs> Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, come on out, guys. Uh, here they are. Greg, look at these guys. I would not want to fight them in a bar. Sit. Yeah. Uh, I was I was just saying that I've I've been reading comics uh, for 34 years now, weekly in and out, and. Uh, I know, I know good. I know good comics when I read them, uh, and I especially know good Batman comics when I read them. I mean, I lived through like Gene Paul Valley and Azrael and whatnot. So when when your run came, what are you guys telling jokes? Share. I Greg. just said he's talking about us. He's talking about us. <laughs> talking about these two. I mean, you could tell when you're in the midst of an incredible run of incredible artists, and we're and we're blessed to have you guys. Um, and I'm just curious because I don't, I would not consider my show to be like uh, art or anything like that. Like, do you guys sit there and say like, we are the defining Batman for a generation or no? Or you, do you not want to admit to that? Because you got to know. Uh, I got, I got to be honest with you. You know, I, I never think in those terms. You know what I mean? When you're doing the job, you're just busy doing the job. And, uh... Uh, how fans react is all, you know, obviously it's better than going, man, those guys suck. We wish you'd get the hell off of Batman. But, uh, but you, know, I, you know, speaking for myself and I think probably for Scott, I mean, you're too busy doing it and caring about it. And when you hear fans, you know, appreciate it and love it, that makes you feel good. But you don't really think about your place in history. I guess that'll be defined after you're done with it, you know, and you look back and you go, wow, you know, they thought so highly of us that, you know, they put us, you know, up there with those other guys who, you know, did such a fantastic job. But right now, you know, we're just, you know, we're doing it and we're doing it to the best of our ability. You know, Scott writes as hard as he can. I draw as hard as I can. And, you know, when the fans go, we love it. We go, fantastic. We, we dodged another bullet. <laughs> Okay, well, this is uh, we're here for the release of uh, of Volume Seven of the of the Batman Collected Trade. It's called Endgame. Uh, it is out today. You could download it uh, on iTunes. You can get it in digital. It's a, it's a great great run that kind of redefined the Joker after you guys had already redefined the Joker, um, which is incredible because because you're talking about characters that have been around for so long and you think you've seen it all and then you cut his face off. And everybody's like, oh my God, they cut his face off. And then you like make him an immortal, an, an immortal guy that's been around, you know, whether it turned out to be that or not, like completely redefine the character twice. Like in your head, was this always the Joker? Because everybody has their own Joker. Uh, I have my own and it's more like Cesar Romero, you know what I mean, than anything else. But like, was this always like when you were a fan and you were reading and you always wanted to get on Batman, was this your Joker? Yeah, I mean, for me, by the way, thank you so, so much for coming. Um, for me, I mean, Joker is my favorite villain in all of literature, from not just comic books, but books as well. And, you know, the thing that's so scary about him is that, to me, he sort of sees your weakness as a hero and says, I know what you're afraid is true about yourself, and I'm going to show you why that is so. So, you know, that's endlessly interesting to me where if Batman is feeling weak, he comes in like in Death of the Family and he'll say, you are weak, let's make you strong. 
if Batman is feeling strong, like he is at the beginning of Endgame, he'll say, I'll show you why you're nothing. And so he's, he's kind of so malleable. I mean, I was t- Grant Morrison like, uh, often talks about how Batman is so adaptable and he's been so wonderful to us on the book. But the Joker to me is equally adaptable in that way where he's kind of the creature under the bed, you know, literally and figuratively where he, he sees what your worst nightmare is about yourself, in this case always Batman and Bruce, and says, I'll show you why that's so. And so I feel like you, I could write him on and on and on, but <laughs> it'd be boring to just have every arc be Joker. <laughs> I'd love to draw that. <laughs> Does, uh, was it more fun to draw Joker without a face or with a face? Uh, well, you know, you know, uh, I drew Spawn for a lot of years with Todd yeah. McFarlane, and uh, you know, so that was all that. Cre- ah, thank you. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, you know, so it was like slipping into some comfortable slippers for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Scott was going to me. You know, uh, I know this is really. It's hard on me to write this. I'm in such a dark place. I'm really sorry for doing this to you. And I'm going. This is awesome, man. I'm like relaxed, flying. This is great. So I had a lot of fun doing that because you know I like drawing that stuff. And you know, monsters are cool just for everybody from little kids to old people and so to me it was definitely most fun drawn with the straps and the wires and the rotted flesh and the flies that was awesome yeah loved it well i gotta figure like when you i mean as enthusiastic as you are about the gore were there panels where you were like this and this and and the flies and the meat and then dc was like whoa Dude, like you gotta redraw this one, <laughs> or was yeah. it all just first draft? Yeah. Now, first off, nobody tells me to redraw a goddamn thing. Okay, and that's let's get that right out of the way. And the only person it. who ever has in my entire career has been this guy, and it's only been like a couple panels. And I said, you know, I would tell you to f off, but I love you, so I'm gonna do this only for you, and never ask me this ever again. Third time is not the charm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, the thing about it was, uh, and this is to be completely honest, because that's the only way it ought to be. When you make a company money, they get out of your way. <laughs> so when we do this and that, as long as you don't lose your mind to do something like you know have Batman naked or whatever, you know what I mean? They're, they're not going to really get in your way too much. Scott has been given freedoms that maybe other writers wouldn't have been afforded, and uh, and 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 me as well. And I don't think we really lose our mind with Batman, and so I don't think we've ever really crossed the line. I mean, it's a new age. Kids are, are just like desensitized to so much stuff because of video games or whatever. So I think we're well within the, right. the, the guidelines of, you know, what they would, is considered extreme these days anyway. I, I, I had a conversation years ago with Mike Allred where he did a Madman uh, Superman crossover where he drew Superman sitting on a, a swing set while him and Madman had a conversation. And DC's editorial at the time was like, we can't have Superman sitting on a swing set, so change it. So I remember my favorite bit in Endgame is when Batman spits in Superman's face. <laughs> I read that, and, and I love Superman, but I did a fist pump. I was like, amazing <laughs> that, this, that, that I now live in a world where anytime I want, I can just open a DC book and see this. He's like, it's not even like a subtle spit, and you wrote a good reason for it. You were like, oh, kryptonite gum, blah, blah, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, he hocks a loogie in Superman's face, and I was like, he's had to want to do that for years, right? Like, <laughs> like do you th- would you say like that was probably like... Did, well, did Batman take a moment to enjoy that? Yeah, it was, I called him up. I remember and being like, he's going to spit right in his eye. It was, pretty, <laughs> I love it was it. pretty fun. But I love Super. I wrote Superman for a year with Jim. I love Superman. But I think, well, you know, one of the fun things about those characters is, 
is that is that childish kind of who would win in a fight you know kind of feeling and whenever you can get there with a reason that makes sense you should go there yeah. <laughs> you should always go to the place that's who would win in a fight I mean, the only thing that comes close to it was when uh, Hitman went to the JLA watchtower to look at one the woman with x-ray vision that was the other thing that I was like now that's living in a world that I, that I live in <laughs> uh, what, what do you guys feel uh, on the writing and the art side like what and I can tell you a lot of reasons why I feel that way but like what do you think makes your Batman different from the 75 years of Batman that have come before, like there's got to be something in your own mind that, that changes a little bit for you guys, right? Or am I wrong? I could be wrong. You know, honest to God, I don't know why. I'm just grateful for it, right? I mean, uh, again, I go, you know, I think passion is definitely part of it. I mean, Scott is insanely passionate about his end of the business, and uh, I'm like maniacal <laughs> and obsessed in my end as well. And I think the fact that we both um, feel obsessively passionate about doing the best possible Batman because we love Batman so intense and, uh, intensely, and that we're we're actually you know we're friends outside and apart from the thing, um, and that we're willing to you know, uh, bend with each other's way of working that somehow it's just, you know, it's, it's getting this magic formula together that people are responding to. I, if I treat, if you go recreate this in a lab right now, Greg, for us, so we could do it on this book. I go, I, I really don't know how to do that. I, I, I don't, I think it's just the, the combined passion and whatever wavelength we, you know, we, we see things uh, in similar ways. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, we're blessed, you know, I don't know. It's magic. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for loving, liking what we do. I've, uh, I've given this a lot of thought. <laughs> I feel like over the last year, because I was like, why? What is it? I mean, for me, it's exactly what Greg said in the way that writing the book, I don't, I hate to say it, but I don't write for you guys. Like, if I did that, I'd be paralyzed all the time because Batman, I know how important he is to you. He's equally important to us, but I see people with Batman shirts and kids with Batman costumes. And if you look and try and write for the fans, you become completely intimidated. I write for him and he'll tell you like, I am chokably annoying in the way that I'll be like, did you like that script? Is the script good enough? Is the script good enough? Is the script good enough? Even when he was leaving for Hawaii, I was like, script good enough, script good enough, script good enough. Because um, he's- I'll go, I'll go, it's fine. Just fine, no, or you really it, liked it? it. I, won't, I won't take just fine. I won't. I won't. I'll keep bugging him. And then if he doesn't respond by email, I'll text him. And if he doesn't respond by text, I'll call him. I'll show you my phone later, guys. It's <laughs> pathetic. It's <laughs> no, but I mean, the thing is, like, I here's the thing. Like, I'm green. I came in. I mean, my biggest fear is this. Like, I came into the industry, and they said, "Do you want to write detective comics?" And I got on Batman when I didn't know what I was doing, you know? And I, I had ideas and things I was passionate about, but Greg has taught me how to be 10 times the writer I was when I came on the book. And my fear is that, you know, I'm on my favorite character long before I'm ready to write at my best for both my favorite artist and for the character and all of that stuff. So I'm desperate for advice and to be better on it. Um, and you know, I'm just I'm I'm incredibly grateful to you guys. No, it's true. I mean, how, how do you but not I, love been this very, guy? He's very, humble, right? I've been incredibly blessed to be with somebody who's helped me along the way, despite my incredibly annoying tendencies to be like, you know, always, always asking over and over, is this good enough? Um, with my desperate insecurity. Um, but I think you know, when I think about our Batman, the one thing I I would say is that. 
I also, I write Batman in a way that's personal for me where I try and make him something. When I grew up, I had the benefit of having Frank Miller's Batman be the Batman I came of age with. So Dark Knight Returns came out when I was 10 and Year One came out when I was 11. I lived here. I lived in the Lower East Side and I couldn't go to Times Square. I, I went there to get a fake ID or M80s and that kind of stuff. And like, and now, you know, at that time, that Batman was suddenly so real and faced the fears that I was worried about for myself at that, at that time, like that the city was falling apart in the ways that it was falling apart in Dark Knight Returns and in Year One. And I try and write Batman for my kids and for myself in the way that in Zero Year, he fights the things that I, I think my kids will worry about, like gun violence is the Red Hood gang and, you know, super storms and, and resource depletion and apocalypse, all that stuff that the Riddler engenders. And in Endgame, it's my anxieties. It's the fear that everything means nothing and that everything you do adds up to dust and all of that stuff. And in that way, I feel like maybe what Batman, our Batman, I hope is different I hope it's different in this way, that when I was a kid, Batman, it was needed for Batman to be somebody who scared bad guys back into the shadows if you lived in a city like New York, because you felt like it was out of control. And it was sort of, you needed him to be someone who frightened the bad people away. Today, I think that Batman is needed to, as somebody who inspires the good people to be brave. You know what I mean? Differently. So that's the Batman we try and write. Don't be afraid of the entrenched kind of problems uh, that seem bigger than you can handle, whether it's terrorism or gun violence or racism or all of this kind of stuff, Batman is now more a symbol of inspiration than he is one of intimidation. And that doesn't you know, shit on the, the way he was a symbol of intimidation. That stuff was potent and needed. It was exactly the same. I needed that as a kid. And now I think writing him, it's the same for my kids. I hope that, I hope that Batman means this for today in a post 9-11 kind of world. You know, but does that I make sense? I still don't think that's the answer to why I, I think you oh, why we're popular it. no yeah. I don't know that because I don't anybody know could make him contemporary anybody could write him and go hear the headlines today let's just write Batman to address those things today it's something intangible and I don't think either of us no matter how much thought we could put into it can can define it we're just again nothing but grateful thank you let's keep <laughs> the dream going a little bit longer <laughs> Well, it's, it's something that you just said in your, in your answer. I found the very interesting, given the current state of Batman, is now he is the authority. He's the man. Commissioner Gordon is, is Batman. So how does that, like, everything that you just said about, um, you know, the depletion and, and uh, you know, when the Riddler's zero year and, and all that stuff, like, now you're writing a Batman who is the man. So what is that reflecting... What, what inside you of these multi things that say that that reflects what you want on the page? Like, what what are we looking at now? Like, what are you getting out now? Well, two things. I think one one was just if we were going to stay on the book for another year, I felt like we wanted to do something that would really shake us up and try something that was daring and different. And story wise, what carried through, and I called him before anybody saying, "What do you think of this?" Was Commissioner Gordon to me like, let's say. Let's say Bruce died, or Bruce dies and comes back as somebody who's a normal person, who can only do as much as you and I can do in the world to help it. Whether, and he does, doesn't have his money, so it's working, you know, working to help kids, whatever you can do in your life to make the world a better place. What if Commissioner Gordon steps up and says, well, I can be Batman. I've believed in these things that people put in place to protect themselves, the police, local government, all of this stuff. Can Batman show people a way to have faith in these things that are broken? 
And so for me, that was a really interesting take in the way it almost asks the question, what does Batman mean to the real world? What, can he mean something that bridges these chasms we have between us as communities, between authority and, you know, and, and people that feel dispossessed? All of this in a, in a real city like New York. And then can you, can you make it bombastic enough and energy monsters and robots enough to make it good comics? And so it was a real challenge and I'm so proud of it. And ultimately, I mean, like, you know, I always like to say like Bruce is a rotting corpse and he'll never come back as Batman, but you all know he'll come back. Like, and in a big fun way. So for us, it's, it's more an exploration of looking at my kids and saying, okay, so there are these entrenched problems or these things that Batman can't solve. Even in Gotham, he can't solve issues of class stratification. He can't solve police brutality. He can't solve these things. What does he mean? Why do we care about him? And this story is about that. It's kind of a, it's a love letter to Batman. It says, why, why does Batman matter to the real world in that way? And I'm very, I'm very proud of it for that, you know? And it's hard because I'm writing the end of it right now and I'm like, oh, but, but it's all fun stuff afterwards too. It'll be fun. <laughs> Just read the script of 47 on the, on the drive over in the train though and it's great. Love it. And, and the suit, the new bat suit, is that, um, is that just awesome to draw? Because <laughs> it just seems like a blast, man. Uh, it, it, it is now that I got comfortable drawing it, but in yeah. the beginning, you know, it's a pain in the ass, right? Because everything gets easier with familiarity. And, uh, right. and when I do, when I, I'm a very lazy artist, so a lot of guys, when they do their concept drawings, they work it all out, you know, different views and all that. I just go, okay, I like this shape, go. Okay, we approve that. Okay, now it's time to draw it. <laughs> now you go, okay, the arm's like this. How the hell would that shoulder pad rocket launcher look like at this angle? Does it cover the shoulder or is it sitting on top of the shoulder? It was real pain in the ass in the beginning, right, and memorizing all the lines. But now it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's fun now. First couple issues, not so much. It's more of a pain in the ass. Is there a particular uh, Batman artist that um, inspired or, or whose work you sort of, you know, not based because obviously your style is the Batman like that's everybody's Batman style but if you look back over the years I mean was there a design of Batman that you liked that you like oh I'd like to draw that whether it be the oval whether it be the vampire Batman yeah yeah you know uh, I, I there's really I mean we've all seen so many different kinds of Batmans from all different places right like my first one was the Batman 66 TV series and uh, so that's the first influence. Then, of course, you know, got some old comics when I was a kid. Some were Aparo, some were Neil Adams. Then I got, you know, Frank Miller. There was the Justice League cartoon. And, you know, so you get all this input and everything. But uh, the only thing I really say had any kind of uh, bearing on me, you know, that I can go that is uh, Frank Miller Dark Knight when... Uh, uh, Batman's all armored up and wired up to Gotham to fight Superman, and he had that bullnose helmet on, and I just loved that helmet because of the lack of detail. Like, everybody, you know, puts Batman in the cowl. It's got all the tension lines from the furrowed brow and everything like that, and I'm going, you know, that's paper thin, you know, it's not very much defensive and everything like that and where that armor with the flat bull nose just really hit me as being powerful and so uh i i said when i when i get my batman i want it to be as sleek as i can i can't obviously chop off the nose as frank did that just went from forehead to nose i can't do that but i'm get, gonna go as close to that as i possibly can so um it was that kind
combination. And I guess, you know, so somebody pointed out to me, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was a fan of Space Ghost when I was a kid. And uh, I had the coloring books and everything. And uh, and if you look at the shape of my Batman from the, you know, the top of his head round to the to the traps, it's very much that shape. So I, th I say those two things probably molded together to give me my Batman, you know, cowl. That, that's actually made me laugh a little bit because I just saw in some promotional art for Dark Knight 3, you drew the fight between Batman and you he's not wearing the, the helmet in the, in the one you drew. <laughs> so it's funny you got to draw that helmet. You took him out and made him an old man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know because it was the kick scene. He was already out of the yeah, helmet yeah, at that point because Superman though. took it off. But uh, yeah, I know, I know. But I have another one I'm working oh, on. Good. It has the helmet. I mean, it looked awesome, but it's just funny. You're like, I love that helmet. No, I got it coming. It's coming. It's coming. Where, where, like how far ahead? I mean, this must be a question you guys got asked all the time, but like how far ahead are you guys ahead of like after after uh, Commissioner Gordon's run is over and whatnot, like are you guys you guys on the book for the foreseeable? Scott Scott's always had a long range plan. I mean, uh, you know, early on he said to me, you know, Greg, I don't know, if, you know, how long I could keep writing Batman if I don't have you know any stories, you know, in Boston. I yeah, remember, yeah, yeah, we might just have to, you know, I might have to pull the plug because if I got nothing to say, you know, and then all of a sudden we're walking along, you know, hey, I got this idea. What do you think of this? And I, I think that's great. I love that. And, then I, and I got this other idea. What do you think about this? Oh, I think that's fantastic. Before you know it, there was a lot of ideas that were going to carry us floor, you know, forward. And he, and he kind of had them all, you know, loosely strung together with a, with a long range plan. I think um, contractually, uh, I'm up at around issue 50, 51 ish. You know. And uh, with our Batman, and uh, I do have some plans to do something uh, for a minute with Mark Millar uh, following that, but, but uh, which is going to be fantastic and awesome, I hope, and that you'll all join me for that ride. But then Scott and I have even bigger plans uh, for when I finish doing that uh, little heartbeat with Mark Millar, and it's something... I didn't think that Scott and I could do anything bigger than what we did, which was relaunch Batman. But uh, actually, what is in the works, which you can't disclose, because uh, it's still evolving and developing, is going to be something even bigger than the, our relaunch of Batman. And uh, so Scott and I go, you know, what do you think about? I, you know, we've kind of like we've gone up here. You know, we can only kind of move laterally. And then all of a sudden, the company started talking to us about some other ideas, and we go. This is kind of the only thing left for us to actually go a notch higher, you know. So we're going to get together and do this thing that's like, it goes to 11. But this <laughs> one goes to 11. <laughs> uh, we're going to go to Q&A to the audience. I, I just have... My That's such a spoiler. I didn't know you were even going to say that. Uh, the thing. It's I'm good like news. Totally my bewildered. Night. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, you know, I wasn't going to say anything because, you know, but I'm, you know, listen, Scott is written, you know, he's a writer. So they could do a lot more work. And, and, you know, he's written, you know, worked for, you know, Raphael and Sean and, you know, Jock and, and like an artist, you know, we're not that fast, right? We can't, we can't do that stuff. So we miss out on some of the other adventures. And so this, just one quick opportunity for me to go off that won't take very much time uh, while Scott is working on developing this super bombastic thing that we're going to launch together. So it's just kind of like a heartbeat thing to do while that's taking place and while he's gearing up to and loading the guns for this other thing, he's preparing the artillery, then I'm going to come in and there and start firing the bombshells with him. So. Can I say one quick thing to it, that effect? It's your panel, brother. The, the thing also I would say is like my... My feeling is Batman's my favorite character 
I get to work with the best artists in comics. I'm Batman. And I've had like, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants between Bruce Wayne and Greg in the way that I've gotten to come in as a green guy. Like if you got to write Batman, any of you having no experience, you know, right off the bat. And it's like, you get to work with the best guy on the best character and that. And my feeling is my time on the book, you know, I feel like I'm just getting started, not just with this character, but this has been a, you know, a learning experience, like an internship in comics. So anytime this guy is like, you know, here's the Harley getting the sidecar, I'm like, I will do that <laughs> any minute. So I work with him on anything, anywhere, because I, I learned to be a better writer from that. And my feeling is sort of like, you know, whether it's Batman or anything we do, I'd be, he's, our, our friendship and our, our, you know, our partnership as a team goes way beyond the character DC or any of that stuff. Or oh. Apple or any of it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not just, Apple. And just Not as Apple. an aside, you know, uh, I love DC because DC has treated me very well. And uh, so I hope even though while I'm doing some of this other little stuff uh, for a minute with uh, Mark, that I'll still be able to at least do some cool covers, you know, hopefully some Batman covers because I love drawing Batman so much. And uh, even if I'm not drawing the monthly insides, I'd love to still crack a few covers. So I won't go away even when I'm taking a little break over on the other side for a minute. Uh, I'll still stay in your face because <laughs> I don't want to get out of your face and that's just my personality. I'm in your face. That's I, it, man. I hope I hope everybody in the back row is feeling the two vibes off these two. The bromance going on here is incredible. It's like you guys really a uh, genuinely. You should see the pictures backstage we just took. This very they're very heartwarming, <laughs> and uh, you know I, I'm feeling all warm and cushy That's in my beautiful. pants. I bought, I bought you alcohol. I was like, <laughs> That's it. And my wife's towing a bottle without a brown paper bag. I'm like, come on, man. You know, at least be a respectable drunk. <laughs> I uh, before we go to their questions, I had I had one question. Uh, just a fan question. I'm going to shut a fan out for a second. But at the end, uh, in the pit, when the Joker was 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 crawling away from Batman, and then the stalactite hit him, and he uh, basically broke down, and Batman like kind of made him his bitch at the end. There um, is the Joker's kind of sane because he wasn't laughing then. It was it was like a it was it displayed something about the character that I'm just like like it was beyond even like he's out of control now. He was afraid and he was begging for his life basically. And it's like, what does that say about the Joker's overall sanity in your mind? Because that's a very sane moment for the ultimate in insane guy. Well, I, I never feel like he's crazy. I just feel like he's evil. Like he is the most evil character you can write and that's the joy of writing him because you get to be the meanest cruelest worst person you can imagine but when it comes down to it i think that's the thing that separates him from the pack is that everybody wants to imagine he's crazy and i think he even gives them the out by dressing the way he does to say oh i'm just crazy but the thing you what makes him really scary is that deep down you know he's not crazy at all he's just he's the personification of evil in a way that you should not exist in humanity. You shouldn't find someone who's as dark and as conniving and plotting and cruel and evil as him. And when you see that, you think, what does that mean for, <laughs> for all of us that someone like that could exist? That's, to me, that's my version of the Joker. It's different than other people's. But, you know, it's, that's why he's so potent is that you want to believe he's crazy, but he's not. He's just, he's evil. And he's not evil in the way that I think some people think he's evil, where he's just randomly chaos and that stuff. 
I feel like that's a misappropriation of the Joker. For me, the Joker is evil in a way that's very pointed. He'll look at you like if you're, if you don't want to believe in him, and you're you know up late at night doing something around your house, he'll be at your window with his face pressed against the glass, <laughs> being like, "You don't believe in me? Let me show you why I'm real." I've had some and girlfriends like that. Yeah, I've no, had girlfriends right. just like that. That's funny. And and, and <laughs> no, I just I, I mean that he's he's evil in the way to show you why. The thing you don't want to believe exists, both in the world and about yourself. The Joker is there to prove that those things are real. Is there someone more evil than them in the DC universe than the Joker, or is he the? Sometimes when I get Scott's script, I think he is. I go, "What is he? <laughs> well, look what he's asking me to do." It is. It's okay. just me. Evil. Just you. You're the ultimate evil. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, only sometimes. Uh, okay, we are, we're going to go to uh, to some Q and A. Hi. Um. I want to just say, like, <laughs> first, I really like like that you support uh, Frank Miller. Like, I really respect that. And my question is, what were you thinking when you cut off Alfred's hand? Like, what was your, what was your goal with that? To show he's evil. Exactly. <laughs> All right. It was just mean. No, I was trying to show. I think I I wanted to show in some ways that without Bruce around as Batman, which I knew was coming, there's no reason for there to be a kind of right hand to the king in that way. So, Alfred has no need for two hands to mend anyone anymore because Bruce isn't Batman. But when Bruce comes back, if he ever comes back, which he never will, ever, <laughs> ever, it will always be Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> um, you know, if he were to come back, then I would imagine Alfred would need the other hand or a hand or a cyborg hand <laughs> or some hand <laughs> of some kind. <laughs> Is it easier to draw one-handed Alfred? You're like, uh, uh screw it. Little, it's little like a tenth It's one less thing to draw. <laughs> He's like, can Alfred lose a leg and another leg and just be a head in a jar? <laughs> Even easier to draw. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, so I want to know, now that Bill Finger's getting a credit for Gotham and Batman v Superman, what's your thought on, on Bill Finger finally get his credit? I feel the same way as you do, hopefully, right? It's it's always good to see a guy get what he deserves, right? Whether whether it's good or bad, right? Bad guy gets what he deserves, we cheer. If a good guy gets what he deserves, we cheer. So, you know, it's, it's great. It's about time. Hi there. I got a question for Scott. Um, how is the creative process different uh, in writing Batman and Witches for Image? The creative, it's different in the way that writing a, uh, if you guys are, if there are any writers out there, writing a, a uh, company-owned character like Batman is just crushingly intimidating. I remember the first time I wrote, like, when I wrote Dick Grayson for Detective Comics, it was a lot easier because he was kind of bewildered and excited to be Batman. That's how I got my start. And, um, you know, I felt like we get along great because he was sort of like, why am I Batman? And I was like, why am I writing Batman? <laughs> this is going to be wonderful. And then when Bruce came in, when I started working with Greg, it was really hard because he's he doesn't tell you his feelings <laughs> like me. You know, he's very sort of closed off and it's very intimidating. And the only way to go about it is to imagine that you made it up, that it's your creator own universe, because otherwise it really is just like, you know, crushingly paralyzing. You have to believe that this is your version of Batman and that you you develop this and it's personal to you. The same way I look at Krantz Batman or, you know, Denny and Neil's Batman, and I, I can identify that Batman in the pantheon of Batman and say that one has these fears and these weaknesses and these strengths. And I hope that we have one that has our own in that way. And I try and write him like I pretend you guys don't exist, where it's just this is the character I made up. But we're glad that me. you do. Yes. We're glad that <laughs> <Right>. you do. <laughs> and my feeling is kind of like, 
it's the only way to do it. And witches, working on create-your-own stuff, if you're out there wanting to do that, it's, it's a great balance, because you know that world better than anybody, and you own it. So it's sort of a great refuge. But there's a tremendous joy in getting to work on characters you grew up with, like Batman, and giving, you know, DC's been great about giving us latitude, and also just blocking out the idea that, that it's a character that anybody else knows more than you about. Because I know you guys probably know more about Batman than I do, but I just sort of have to pretend that I made this. He knows a of- lot about Batman, trust me. Do you guys, uh, and I, I'm only going to imagine, you don't seem like you would be the type of guy that likes Robin very much. You guys like Robin? It's like, is it because he's... Well, I've only I'm got like a Robin. chance to. I've I'm only got a, to be fair. I've only had a chance to kill a Robin. Right, I mean, really. I mean, I wouldn't mind drawing Robin. I mean, like I said, my first exposure was Batman and Robin, the TV show. So I, I don't have any opposition to Robin. I mean, it'd be fun to draw the boy Blunder. You know. <laughs> I have a. I have trouble. I mean, I, I love the idea of Robin. I've avoided Robin when he's Damien because. Damien, the current, you know, the current kind of Robin is Young. eight. Yeah, well, he's eight. He's ten, and my son is eight. And I have a lot of trouble imagining my son next to me, like allowing my son to come out and get beaten up. I'll tell on you the something. Street. I just uh, can't write him. Not I, even it's going, my own fault. Not even going to Robin. Jamie and I we were at the train station. Come down, right? Now, when I was growing up, I played on the train tracks. Me and my buddies would, if there was a stop train, we would jump on the train and dare each other who could hang on longest as the train got faster and faster. And of course, the one to one was the guy who jumped off and got all his ass kicked from all the. Granite that it's all around you. I cut up. I won. That's you the know? winner. <laughs> yeah, that's the winner, right? And I actually, got, I know a kid who got killed and hit by you know a train playing on tracks. He, he really I, won the grand prize. Yeah, yeah, he really won. And uh, you know, and uh, we got a 13 year old at home. I go, man, I'm looking at those tracks, going, I would never want Jackson to be playing on those railroad tracks. So let alone going out and fighting crime at the age of 10, I don't even want the kid by the tra- train tracks doing what I was doing, let alone out there doing that stuff. You know, so yeah, I. I feel you. So, yeah, a Robin that's older, like a 16, 17-year-old Robin that does it on his own, I can imagine, but I have trouble with the... I just have trouble with the younger Robin, for me. Okay. Hi, guys. Huge fans. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Um, Scott, earlier you sort of alluded to being a perfectionist uh, with handing in scripts, thinking, is this good enough? Is this good enough? Have you ever had an arc or a script that you have handed in and said, you know what? This is good enough. This is? Or, Or this was. No, <laughs> in that I'm, I'm always, no, I always, I mean, I look back at stuff in Court of Owls, for example, which I love dearly. I loved rereading it. And there are parts when you reread something where you're like, I forgot I did that. That's great. <laughs> High five you know? me. Yeah, no, you really do. Where you're like, I forgot all about that whole photograph thing. Where I was when like, I'm working awesome. on any given Snyder script, I'm in the process and I'll get a text. Hey, hang on. When you get to this page, I was thinking more we could do this instead of that. So is that cool? Is that cool? How could, you're not there yet, right? No, I'm not there yet. Okay, so it's good? Yeah, I can make that change. No problem, no problem. Draw. That's true. Hey, hey, you didn't get to this page yet, right? Right? Because I was thinking, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking it's my voice that high. Do, it's yeah, not that yeah. high. It's, it's a really it's high. I mean, it's I can't it's, go that high. it's kind of text. an insulting impression. I got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Is it too low? But yeah, no, his scripts are always evolving because he's always second guessing everything. I call him the squirrel because you know how squirrels, they go, I'm going to go this side of the road. No, wait a minute. I think I'll go here. No, no, this side is better. And bam, the car hits him, right? Scott, I tell him one day you're going to hit by that car. It's probably I'm the car. Car yeah. being Greg. <laughs> no, but I mean, no, it's, it's never good enough. And I think one of the things working with Craig that's been really 
wonderful is that he's when I have a couple different things that I I know one is right and I'm afraid I'm not afraid to do it but I need a real barometer for it like the end of end game actually yeah. I call him up and I was like look I have these two different endings I think one is right I'm not sure and he landed on one and was like this is it and I was like that's right you know that's the right way to go and I mean I'm just not I I yeah I, I come around to the way that I think is right always you know and I, I'm I'm it's a personal compass where you're always you're never doing it because you're worried about what fans think or what DC thinks you're doing it because all I care about is and I promise you this on my kids' lives like looking back and being proud of what we made together and saying this is the right way that this went not this is the most popular this is the most it doesn't matter it's that you look back and you're proud of this because it's personal and it's you know it's it's evergreen for the reasons that you put into it at that moment but those things i second guess a lot you know and i depend on really i mean i like i said i mean my my number one thing he'll tell you i send my scripts in to mark doyle the editor on batman he's great he's one of my best friends in the world he got me and he found me out of obscurity in comics but the person I bother the most is Greg to be like, is this script good enough? Thank you. You know, always. No, because <laughs> what matters to me is that he's proud of it and I'm proud of it as a team, as that we're proud of Batman. That's, that's, the, that's all that matters. I mean, I mean that. That's all that matters. Is that yeah, we, and we with, step and away and we say that's what he's talking matters. about, he, you know, both, both endings that he had. I mean, he had the, the one that you saw is the one that was the original pen version that I received, and they had this other idea that he spoke to me, which was beautiful could and we, eloquent. Could you tell what the idea was? The other idea is that... Yeah. Well, the, yeah. If you okay. want to. Yeah, well, right, right? Now that we're like, we're in spoiler mode. Come on, guys. All right. Well, the other idea was basically that I had this idea that Bruce... I had trouble with the darkness of the ending of Endgame. I've never said this anywhere, but, but I had... I guess what I was worried about was that... No, I was, worried, I was worried about the idea that Bruce has a way of getting... He could, he could attach Joker. He could, he could heal Joker with the Dionysium and make him somebody that, that was healed of the Joker. He could make him somebody blank. And he could send him up blank and stay down there himself and sacrifice himself for the city and send a healed Joker up to be forever cured of the Joker and have a second chance at life. And that was, to me, a beautiful, redemptive, heroic, um, self-sacrificing ending. But it was so nice and so light. And also, I felt like if they're going to... If they're, if they're really wrapped in this thing, like this is Endgame, and sorry to go on, but Endgame to me is about Batman is meaning, right? Batman is saying, my parents died in a meaningless event in life. That says to you, life means nothing. Someone can come down. I, I could pull out a gun and shoot your parents right now. Someone could come in and kill everybody in this room. What does it matter? Who cares, right? It doesn't mean anything. Any, everything you teach your kids, nothing matters, right? That's the Joker, and that's my biggest anxiety in life. Batman says, yes, that happened to me, but what I'm going to do is show how everything matters. I'm going to turn my life into an engine of meaning and show you how everything I, does makes, everything I do makes the world better. So if those two things are locked in combat for eternity, meaning and meaninglessness, they have to die together down there. They have to go down together. So it means compromising who Bruce is in the way that Bruce would save Joker, but Batman would not. Batman would die with Joker, and he pointed that out and was like, listen, they both have to die down there to but make it make sense, and it's it. darker. I said, are you kidding me? 
This is like the WWE pay-per-view event, buddy. He did. They he don't did. want to sweep. They want to see Hulk Hogan come in there and body slam Andre the Giant. Right? And that's what people <laughs> wanted, and that's what you got, and you loved it, right? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. I, he did say it like I that. can't imagine a better ending point than that. That's a that's it. That's where we're gonna wrap it up today. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for being here. Thank, thank you for you. allowing me to be a part of it. Thank I'm you. a huge fan. It's really amazing for me to be here. Guys, thank you very much. Have a good night, guys.